You want to go, Gordon? Yeah, ready right. to go. Okay, ready to go. There's <laughs> <laughs> no drums. And welcome to episode nine of Whiskey Unscripted, brought to you by IMD. I'm Gordon Dallas. And if you've listened to the podcast before, there's usually a, a flourish of drums. But last week on episode eight, uh, Gordon Dundas admitted it, it wasn't him drumming. Gordon Dundas, are you there? Oh yeah, I had to come clean. It was it was eating away at me. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, I I think a, a, a more somber entrance to you're a very honest man, podcast. very honest yeah, man. Yeah. And of course, uh, we're how still have you been this week. Great, Gordon. That we're, we're still obviously in this situation, so we're still not in the same room. It'll be an amazing no. episode when we can do a podcast together in the same room. Absolutely. I know, completely, absolutely great. And uh, you know, it'll probably. Uh, Probably would be a, a better experience from everybody's perspective. But what is what is what is important here is even though we're not in the same room, is I want to know what you are drinking. What is in your glass? Well, the the the, the kitchen cupboard where I keep my day to day whiskies is pretty empty. I've dipped into that nice fancy box that I mentioned last week. Uh, I have pulled out a twenty year old Gordon. Chieftain's yeah. uh, cigar malt from Mortlack, Mortlack, and it's um, only one of two hundred and five bottles. Look at the colour, um, fifty-six point one percent, and it's entirely sherry casks. And looking yeah. at the colour, you know, it looks like it's a lot of European oak sherry casks. What a! It's a, I didn't want to open it, but you know, needs must, needs must. Go. That'll be quite challenging, quite rich. Now, what's interesting about Mortlack? I'm going to tell you about Mortlack very quickly. Relaunched about five years ago by Diageo. The thing that makes Mort look very different. You've heard of double distilled whiskies. Yes. Glen Goyne, Tamdu, uh, most most whiskies in Scotland double distilled. You've heard of triple distilled whiskies. Uh, Okatoshan, what will be Rosebank, is triple distilled. Have you ever heard of a 2.81 distilled whiskey? <laughs> Funny enough, you're, no. You're currently drinking it. Mort look mm. is 2.81 times distilled. Now, there is a Georgie Bell once taught me through this. Uh, she was the ambassador of Mortlock at the time. Very complicated drawing, but um, it has been distilled 2.81 times. Are we going to get a good so, explanation, or is it just too complicated? It's far too complicated. I couldn't even explain it. I couldn't even explain it with a drawing, and it's very complicated. But it has been distilled 2.81 times now. Can you taste that in your whiskey? Probably not, but it's a fantastic story. So there, 2.81 times distilled Mortlock. Wonderful. I am. What are you drinking? Well, I am just drinking Tandy 12 because I love Tandy 12, but it's my sort of everyday go-to whiskey. I'm going a little bit every day, which you're not. You're going completely the opposite direction. <laughs> Such is whiskey. Obviously, Tandy, all sherry casks, the 12-year-old at 43, just a beautifully sort of toffee fruity um, and, and a little bit of that darker side to it, but just really approachable, really drinkable and that thicker style because of the sherry casks. And uh, we're obviously going to talk a little bit more about that later on. With our Cooper from Tamdu, Mr. Sean Keir. It's brilliant. Absolutely, nice. Yeah. Gordon, this is the part we just asked for any news. I've asked you to scour some of the whiskey yes. sites for any news this week. Yes, there is a little bit of news. Um, uh, firstly, I was uh, great. Whiskey Exchange uh, has their whiskey of the month, which this year is Tam. This year, this month is Tamdu Bat Strength Four. So oh, nice, always a good whiskey. Um, it's Father's Day coming up, um, so there's lots of different activities for Father's Day. 
which is great, but I would like to see as parsley uh, as many activities for Mother's Day as mm. well, because everybody drinks whiskey. It is for everybody. Um, and But yes, lots of activity for Father's Day. Um, and the other thing that's been hit the news this week, uh, a little bit more industry focused, is there's been a repack of a, a whiskey I was drinking last week, Ben Romuk, oh. um, which I think is some people have uh, had some interesting comments on, but I think it's a nice sort of uh, change. Um, but uh, that's been happening. Um, and one or two other things, uh, Diageo released some a 40-year-old Portel, and it may have been the week before, at uh, £6,500. So you'll be having two of them, I would imagine. <laughs> Six and a half. And I bet they were sold. I bet they will probably they will be, be sold. I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Well, and also, just, just as I remember, the English Whiskey Company um, has released their first ever age statement, an 11-year-old. So congratulations to them. Um, Come of age. And yes, they do make whiskey in England as well, man. So good luck to them. Fantastic. Yeah, nice, nice, nice company. Uh, Gordon, we're going to be speaking about uh, coopering and uh, wood in just a second. But I yeah. thought before we do that, you know, we do that every so often a year that changed whiskey. Mm. And you yeah. asked me, you challenged me to try and find something that fitted in with coopering. Well, I did, yeah. And um, I believe you've probably done that. Ah, yes. I'm going to take your suggestion and I'm going to up it just for one week only. I'm not going to say the year that changed whiskey. I'm going to say the year that changed the United Kingdom. I'm going to up the game with this story of wood. And I'm going to take you back to the year 1588. And I might even take you back the year earlier. And it's a wonderful uh, book from Garrett Mattingly called The Defeat of the Spanish Armada. And it's a, what? Uh, bear with me, Gordon. Bear with me. <laughs> I'm bearing with you, Henry the Eighth. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth the First, um, Gloriana herself. Right. Right. Uh, this tells how the British knew there was an attack coming from Spain. They knew it was going to happen. They didn't know when. So Francis Drake and the the, the British Navy scoured the Atlantic in the in the years building up to 1588. They came across a number of Spanish vessels, but one fleet. They came across, and this is why it's important to Coopering, had enough cured barrel staves to make 25 to 30,000 barrels or casks. Now, the English burnt them on a beach. And in 1588, when there was 30,000 Spaniards and 150 ships set sail from Spain to pick up the Duke of Parma's army just off of Carale, and that plan was to go up the River Thames with these Spanish shock troops and take over uh, England. The trouble was there was no staves to make the barrels. In those days, the casks held the gunpowder, the water, the food. Barrels held everything. Now, the English had sabotaged those cask staves. So what had happened in the build-up to the Spanish Armada, Gordon, is the Spanish tried to dry staves quickly. Now, what happens when you dry staves quickly? They leak. Correct. Correct. They start to crack. Now, before the Armada even met Francis Drake, there was reports getting sent back to Madrid of gunpowder getting wet, food was getting spoiled, the fresh water was leaking from those casks, illnesses were setting in and one one of the reasons the spanish armada failed was the fact they had to make casks on the quick from wood that hadn't been properly dried and that uh, 
meant the Spanish did not take over England, did not turn it into a Catholic country. Elizabeth I carried on. History remained as it has remained, and the Spanish did not take over the country. So it's not just the year it changes whiskey. I would say it's the year it changes uh, England and the United Kingdom in the fullness of time. So there you go. go. There you go. Down to to these states. It is like every week I'm amazed at the... What's in that head of yours? It's incredible. That um, was one of these facts, Gordon. I hadn't really only been researching it in the last couple of weeks, and that's that, that'll feature now more in my history talks. Quite an amazing part of absolutely incredible, great, and leads us nicely in to talk about coopering. The insider's guide to being a cooper is what we're going to look at. Now, we have Sean Caird on the other end of the line. Before I get Sean on, is it true that in the original ledger book of Tam Do, where Sean works, the only person paid more than the cooper was the distillery manager himself. Is that true? That is true. It shows you how important the coopers are to the whiskey industry. So my first question to Sean will be, how much are you getting paid? So um, let's see if this works. Let's go up to Speyside. Let's go to Tam Do at the banks of the River Spey and see if Sean Caird is there. Sean! Hello, hello, hello. Yes! Yes. It's worked. Sean, how are you? I'm good. Um a little concerned after hearing that. <laughs> Let me are you are you the next best paid to Sandy? I'd like to think so, but uh, no. <laughs> I didn't think Sandy paid him up there. I thought it was just all done for the love of a love of a good dram. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, great to hear from you. Great to have you on Whiskey Unscripted and uh you know, I think a lot of people are not aware of the the, the fine art of being a cooper, and uh, you know, it's you've been you've been a cooper for a, a wee while now. Wee At what point did you? Yeah, what point did you think when you were growing? Right, when I grew up, I want to be a cooper. In all honesty, it's not really how it worked for me. Um, I left school and started a joinery apprenticeship, but that yep. was around about two thousand and nine when everyone was getting paid off and how mm-hmm. I, used, I used to work in um fitting kitchens in new builds so in 2009 i got paid off and i got a job at Speyside cooperage as a laborer three months down the line they offered me an apprenticeship and i took it it was as simple as that just a bit of luck really brilliant and what did that apprenticeship right. involve sean what do you do as a cooper's apprentice well it's four years um, and you work oh. alongside your journeyman, and you kind of just do a bit of everything. You you start off doing a lot of labouring, doing a lot of the not-so-good jobs, we, sh- we should say, and just mm-hmm. learning slowly how to do the job. And after four years, you became a fully qualified Cooper. Yep. Fantastic. And you were still obviously still at Speyside at that point. Well, actually, me being a young loon at a bad age, I left <laughs> Speyside. <laughs> Uh, a year left to do of my time, so <laughs> I was quite lucky to get a second opportunity at Glenfiddich to finish my time. Ah, and just on that, for people that have not been to the Speyside Cooperage, as a visitor, it's an amazing place to go and see when people like yourself that were apprentices or actually coopers are, are working, at, it looks like a million miles an hour. Could you just paint a picture of the Cooperage? Aye, so the coopers there are paid piecework. So, the more you do, the more you, the more you, money you make. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit like 
Yeah, it's quite mental to watch, actually. There's some guys literally running about trying to make more money. <laughs> and how many people are? How many oh, people I... work there, roughly? At Speyside, I think when I was there, uh, I think they had about, I think they had 16 time served coopers and uh, maybe four mm-hmm. apprentices. I I think I think it's more now. Well, the demand in the industry is so much more, I guess. I mean, they supply yeah. a lot of different distilleries, don't they? They do. Um, quick wee fact for you. Oh, love a fact. We love, we love facts in this show. When I was born, 1991, just a, a young whippersnapper, mm-hmm. the, there was two, no, there were 600 odd Coopers in Scotland, and this year there's only 200 odd. Really? What? Yes, but there's How? more. Okay, okay, right, on that point then, uh, Sean, this is called the Insider's Guide, so if there's only 200 Coopers in Scotland, and you're one of them, tell us at Tamdu, when you turn up, what is a typical day? Uh, for a cooper, just take us through what is a normal a normal working day. Okay, doc. So when the guys are emptying the casks in the filling store and the, all the warehouse team, they check them for leakers or broken staves, yeah. or if they're low, if they're low in amount, and they're all set aside in the yard as rejects if there are rejects. And so I, I basically take in whatever you know it's. Working as a cooper, you work on one type of cask for, you know, a week at a time. It's easier for room. So I'd have my stock in for repair, and I would just be repairing casks day in, day out, and testing them as well. Each each cask having a different issue, probably. Yes. Every cask different. I mean, the the principles are the same, but they they are all different. And the most common... Repair is a bung stave. It's probably the weakest point in the cask. Mm. So just explain that. I'm just just in case people are what, listening to the show, don't quite understand all the technicalities. What's what does that mean? So the bung stave is the one stave in the cask that's been bored for the bung, the bung hole. So each side of the bung hole, it's it's a really weak point in the cask, and it's liable to. It's not to much trap. wood, is it? Yeah, no, there's not a lot of wood, so it sometimes splits actually in two. So the other thing that I've always wanted to know a bit about, which you could maybe enlighten me on, is we know that we have, you know, different sizes of casks. So, in, you know, we have butts and punchins and we have uh, bourbon barrels, which are about 200 litres. But there's this cask, which I think a lot of people get confused about, which is the hogshead cask. Uh-huh. Now, a hogshead cask is about 250 litres in size. And it's um it's a well used cask in the industry, but the history of the hogshead cask is is generally, from what I understand, it's made up from old sort of American oak bourbon barrels. Is that not right? That is right. I um when I was going through my apprenticeship, one of the casks, one of the jobs we had at Space Eye Cooperage, which was one of the best, one of the bigger money jobs, was building shooks. We call them. Right. So basically, we buy in pallets of staves from ex-bourbon staves mm. and each row of the pallet would be one bourbon barrel so you take right. off each row and find two rows that are the same size from crows to crows where the end sits inside the cask mm-hmm. and you build that barrel all the way up into a hoggy a hogshead yeah and they get new ends new hoops and that's then yeah. a hogshead made out from bourbon barrels. 
So that is all about the main reason for doing that. And people wonder why you would do that. Obviously, new ends and new hoops and things. But you're increasing the capacity from 200 to 250, giving yeah. you the 1,000 litres is spread across four casts rather than five, which enables you to save a bit of space far less than anything else. Yes, 100%. And, and so when you mature in a hogshead, you get a very different maturation because you've got the new ends which are newly fat you know newly toasted and so you get a very different sort of style of whiskey to a bourbon barrel for example but not not yeah. relevant for tamdu yeah. um, no. in terms of bourbon barrels i mean we don't use bourbon barrels in tamdu obviously no not at all no listen, I, i've actually been up there at tamdu seen sean doing his work and i've been across to spain how on earth how on earth do you actually build a a, a barrel or a cask from start to balance them all up and they're not fall apart because at, at the space I cooperage, that's part of the fun. They give you a wee mini one, and you try to put the hoop over the staves to see if you can build the barrel, and it's nigh impossible. Uh, how do you how do you do it, Sean? Well, in all honesty, it's when you've got sixteen time served coopers watching you, and you drop it, everyone cheers. <laughs> so yeah. you soon learn not to drop it. Sometimes yeah. white knuckle kind of stuff. That that's probably the hardest the hardest part of being a cooper is building a. I mean, it's something we do as our for our trades test is raise up a cask from scratch. Um, it's called raising up. Yeah, raising up. So it's a cask. That, it's say it's usually a a hogshead. You dismantle it and then you raise it back up and put it all back mm. together. That's one of the things you do as your trades test. It's not something we do. It's not something I ever do at Tam do. I do it just as, you know, display or, you know, giving, giving some tourists sometimes a shot of trying it. But other than that, it's not something I do a lot. And is it true, Sean, that your grandfather was a cooper? And again, is it true that you're using his tools? It is very true, aye. There was a, a box of tools in my mother and father's shed that I had seen and wondered what the hell they were. And when I became <laughs> a cooper... Mm-hmm. I got given his tools, so now I now use wow. his tools every day. That's, that's fantastic, isn't it? That's amazing. Listen, I'd like to do a couple more questions, Gordon, but I just feel that there's maybe a small challenge coming on now. Just a little bit of light relief and give Sean a break. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, well this, you know, this is, Sean, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> okay. You know, it's a very highbrow uh, subject we're on here, because I knew you were going to be on the show. So I thought, let's talk about wood. Let's talk about coopering in barrels throughout the ages. Now, I thought, what could we do the quiz on? Could it be something like history? And I did look up that uh, one of the earliest references to barrels in uh, human civilization comes from Herodotus, who wrote about palm wood casks being shipped uh, to Babylon from Armenia with the wine inside. There's some wall art. I could have done a quiz about the wall art, uh, the Egyptian wall art from 2600 BC. It shows a wooden tub made out of wooden staves holding corn that you measured corn in. So I could have went to the Egyptians. I could have also even talked about how the barrel size changed when the New World opened up in the 15th and 16th centuries when the Spanish and Portuguese sailed the Atlantic. The land transport casks went from 250 litres to 500 litres for the first time for the sea voyages. I could have talked about that for my quizzes, but you know what? I've decided to do Famous Coopers! Okay, so, um, Sean, you're up first. Famous Coopers. Famous (laughs) Coopers. Sean, here you go. Just name this Famous Cooper. It's a small car made in the UK, invented by Alec Izagonis. 
Mini Cooper. It was a Mini Cooper. Woo-hoo. Is the correct uh, answer. G- Gordon, question two. Gordon Dundas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you reach back and Herodotus again. Heavy metal singer. Born Vincent Duncan Fournier. Born 1940. Alice. Yes. Alice Cooper. Raspy voice, known for his macabre stage shows. Alice Cooper. It's one apiece. Back to Sean. Sean, this is a British boxer, a famous Cooper, famed for knocking down Muhammad Ali in 1966. Oh. And of course, for some underarm deodorants. Maybe it's a bit before your time. Um, aye, it is. But I am a boxer, so I should cane this. Aye, he did. Aye, my mind's gone blank, but aye. It's a, it's a, Gordon It's a pass Henry Cooper Henry Cooper comes in It's 2-1 to Mr Dundas I can't believe I got that wrong I know But when you're under the spotlight Like this It is okay. oh, Gordon Pressure pressure. We're over to you Gordon yeah. It's 2-1 To yeah. put some distance Between you And Sean John Fennymore Cooper Wrote a, His masterpiece Set in Upper State New York It details a journey Of two daughters Of Colonel Monroe The movie featured Daniel Day-Lewis in a Oscar-winning movie, name the book stroke movie, John Fennymore Cooper. Uh, the piano. It's not the piano, Sean. This is to come in and level the scores. No, it's a clue. And the movie was oh. called the The Last of the Mohicans. So it's two points each. <laughs> okay. A quick fire round to finish off the famous Coopers. Um, Gordon, Sean, I know you're a very big fan of Jilly Cooper's books. I know you've got most of them uh, yourself. So uh, I'll give this to Gordon Dundas. One word answer. Jilly Cooper book. Um, a game played in horses by the super rich. What was the name of that Polo. book? Polo. It's correct. Polo. Uh, here's over to Sean. John, uh, Sean, this book, one word answer. In football, what's the name? If you put the ball into the back of the net, you have... Scored. Yes, correct answer. It's one apiece on the fast, fast, fast fire rounds. Um, <laughs> oh God! One yeah. words. Jilly Cooper book. I'm, swe- um, I'm sweating here. A person of magical powers, usually a man. Merlin Wizard. was one of them. Wizard is the correct answer. Finish off this, Sean. Famous Coopers. The British in marriage. Love. You should be very much in. Love. That's correct answer. And Gordon Dundas, the final book, uh, How to Stay What, is a Jilly Cooper classic. How to Stay What, and it's not sleeping around, How to Stay the Opposite of Sleeping How to Stay Married. Uh, So I'm going to give that as a score job. I'm I'm looking that up. (laughs) We're mates. Very good. (laughs) Gordon, that was was class and uh, totally unscripted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I like to bring the like to bring the the, the 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 show down to a level I can understand. So, Sean, one of the things I'm really interested about, and and you know, we we you know we work for Ian McLeod. We 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 love Tamdu. We love the quality of the whiskey. And and you know, one of the things that we have spoken about a lot as a brand is the quality of these sherry casks, which we get from you know those cooperages in Spain and these wonderful partners that we work in Spain. Um. So yeah, I, I go around the world talking about Tamdu, and we're obviously aware of the, the, the wonderful sherry casks that we get from Spain. It gives us a wonderful, unique style of of um, of Tamdu, and it's Oloroso seasoned sherry casks. Do you you obviously see these casks? You've worked on them. Do they do they stand out to you? Are they really special casks? Ah, definitely. They're the easiest to work on because they're all yeah. pretty much brand new. And mm-hmm. Just well, just like you just said there, it's all or also sherry. It's some of the best of the stuff that's going into it, and they are the best of the casts on the go. Yeah, and do you notice a difference between the 
that you know we obviously use American oak and and European oak. Quite they're quite different types of oak, aren't they? And and in the terms yeah. of repairing and and that type of thing, I guess you have to approach them slightly differently. Slightly different, but to be honest with you, every cask is slightly different that I mm-hmm. usually work on. I mean, the, the sherries when they come in, they're all the same. You know, they they are all the same. They're easy to work on. Yeah. I, generally, I don't have to repair the sherries when they come in. They've already been through whatever cooperage abroad to be checked yeah. for filling. But I do. We do give them a once over when they when they arrive. It's rain that rain. The sound of it. That is rain. Is that rain <laughs> in your in your soda? Yes. Well, my recording studio has a wooden roof. Put it that way. Wow, okay. that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. I was like, what is that? Um, I completely forgot what I was going to say, but what I was going to say is obviously, what you know, we're investing a lot in these sherry casts. So to have Sean there doing what he does, looking after them, is 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 a really good thing. And you know, they're very expensive casts. They are very expensive. Okay. So you know, and I think to, for Tamdu to have an on-site cooperage is uh, not many distilleries have that facility, do they? No, most of them. Are actually going the opposite way. You know, any any that did have are generally closing down and just going using commercial. So for Tom Dude to to go the other way around just last year, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, I think Gordon's drowned. <laughs> <laughs> this has not happened in ten weeks. We've never That's had rain hilarious. like this. I'm a That's bad hilarious. omen. That's no, it's brilliant. And have you have you have you um, Sean? I, I I don't know the answer to this, so I just wanted. Have you been out? Did you go to Spain? Yeah, I was in Spain last year, but this time last year. Uh, no, yeah, March the... last year it was. So you went to these cooperages as well? I went to a couple, yeah. It was really good. You went to Huberto de Mec, did you not? We went to Huberto de Mec and we went to Tavasa. And my point... Oh, it's not going to really work. The point well, is... Well, I can tell myself... What is good? I'll turn myself off this now. Just ask that. It's a really good question with Spain. I'll just... Turn, right. I'll mute myself. Hang on. Three, okay. two, one. <laughs> so... <laughs> let's start again. So, Sean, you obviously were in Spain um, last year, and and I'm really intrigued as someone who's been a cooper, you know, uh, you know, and as we said earlier in Scotland, predominantly repairing, repair in a, in a repairing element. Did you wander around those cooperages in Spain, Huberto de Mec, um and Tavasa, and just sort of n- not marvel, but just sort of understand the quality of what they're producing? Yeah. Oh, 100%. It was it was amazing to go. It's one. It's something I've wanted to do for a long, long time is go over to Spain and see how they do it. You know, I I, I know I have built new casts myself, so I know yeah. how to do it. But to just the, I mean, they are the top end of cast. The quality is unbelievable. So to go and see them actually doing it last year was absolutely amazing. I I mean, I went the year before, and I mean, I was I mean, I obviously came from a much lower knowledge base on cast, but I mean the you know that you know that you've got 90 100 people making about 120 casks in a day i mean it's it's a heavy labor job isn't it and um, it is yeah it's when the heat over there as well i don't know how they do it some days yeah i know absolutely and i was i was just struck by the the quality that they were producing and was struck by the uh, you know and it's great for us at tamdu to produce such a wonderful whiskey and how understanding how important that element is as well you know from sandy making the spirit at the distillery with all the guys there and and what a job they do but 
you know, then being able to put it into these quality casks, which are, you know, five, six years in the making. Unbelievable. Yeah. The one thing that interests me when we were over there in Spain is, you know, we were talking about from the tree being planted to to basically it being bottled and consumed. And mm. it's around about 120 years. It's, yeah, it's just amazing. It. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. It is mind-blowing. And, 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 and I think what, you know, you really understand how important the quality of that wood is um, when you're when you're when you're making a whiskey like like Tamdu that's so reliant on those sherry casts and the European oak and the American oak and it's uh, it, it was it was mind it was something that I really really enjoyed going to but you're right it was damn hot yeah right? it was damn hot damn hot can it, this is this is what you have to do when you're podcasting in a sort of pandemic when you have to do places and do it from your hut so it stopped raining can i enter the conversation <laughs> of course you can of course you can course it's can. really fast i love that thing about spain but i've got a few questions before the wind the rain starts again okay. uh, one sean what's your favorite whiskey uh oh. drinking whiskey daily drinking whiskey not not that i drink whiskey every day but but daily drinking whiskey is an abler 10 year old yeah mm-hmm. um very nice I, well i live in abler and it's readily available to me as well but uh, if I'm treating myself, probably the 21-year-old Bolveni Portwood. Oh, yeah, very nice, I very nice. And you, do, do, do you like Tamdu? I do, I love Tamdu, it's lovely, eh? Good, 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 just check it. <laughs> Absolutely. I know exactly, Don't, what would be your what would you pick of the bunch for Tamdu uh, fans out there? 15-year-old would be mine. That's beautiful. 15-year-old, pick of the bunch. The rain has stopped, I love that. Here's another question I'd like to ask. Um, I can't help... You know, noticing in websites, I love, and it's a wee bit off topic, but what you can make a barrel into. Have you seen some uh-huh. fancy seatings? And I think at Tam Do you've got a music system inside an old barrel, an old cask. Aye. Have you That's done right. something like that, Sean? Would you give us any suggestions of what we go out and buy or get made for us? I have. I, when I was at Speyside, I used to make furniture, um, table and chair sets, and trains. You know the wee trains? Oh, mm. the wee planters. Oh. Want a train? Awesome. So, I, but it's very, very expensive. Yeah. Oh, I don't want a train. Gordon will get one for me and him. That's fine, Gordon. You just sign up with uh, with okay. Sean there. That, that'd be. Yeah, yeah, no bother. Did you know my last couple of facts here? Because I did a wee bit of research, or apart from all that Herodotus stuff, um, the worshipful company of Coopers were around in 1422, one of the earliest guilds in Britain, and the Royal Charter was gifted in 1501. So Cooperage have been along uh, around a long, long time. And my last fact is the biggest barrel. I wanted to find out what the biggest barrel was. The oldest one we think's round about two and a half thousand years BC. Biggest barrel, twelve meters long, six meters wide, it weighs forty tons and holds about three hundred thousand litres of wine from the Longwedoc estate. Would that be wow. would that be something you would make? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, no. Beer, uh, obviously, the biggest barrel we could use in Scotch whiskey is seven hundred liters, so that uh, sort of um, changes that. But I mean, yeah, the biggest barrels generally would this be right, Sean? Would be a port pipe. Yes, I. Uh, they're not often used nowadays, in it either. Generally, yeah. butts. So yeah. But, uh, yeah. The biggest barrel we would use is a port pipe. Yeah, they're about 550, 600 liters, a little bit, but different odd shape very, as well. But yeah, very awkward to work on. And the one thing I've always been amazed at is having, uh, and you'll be an expert at this as a as a Cooper um, 
is I once was at a, now there was a very famous Glenn Fiddick Cooper who, and I've forgotten his name, you probably worked with him, Sean, uh, and he was at a whiskey show in London and he was doing the, taking apart a cask and putting it back together. And he was doing, you had a huge audience around him and he basically controlled, he put it all back together. He rolled it around the show, literally with like two fingers, <laughs> steering uh-huh. it around the show. And, 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 and um, you know, a real art, then when you actually pick these, they're very heavy. Of course they are very heavy, but um, it was amazing how he, you know, just had the ability to control this cask literally on a string. It was incredible. I take it you can do that, Sean. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> just just no practice. That. I mean, Absolutely. Insulting no intelligence here, Gordon. What are you talking about? No, it's an incredible thing to see, though, because you, oh, yeah. you, you think it's like... 20 kilos and these are not 20 kilos they're a lot more than that it's just balance that's all it is really it's ian that would have been ian mcdonald you've seen um gordon well listen sean my final question would be if you mentioned at the beginning 200 coopers in scotland from 600 when you started or when you were born a do you think there'll be more coopers in the future and if so is it a profession people should maybe be thinking of well i think so because nay 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 casks nay whiskey so and like true. you say, the money's astronomical. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was your, your second best paid to, to Sandy, and he's, so he's on so an unbelievable I, wage. Aye, aye, so I'm glad to believe. <laughs> um, but no, it's I, I do, I mean, Speyside, Cooperage, I know, are still taking on apprentices often. Uh, same with Glenfiddich, I know are as, as well. And it's something we would like to do at Tom Dew as well, eventually. No, absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you, Sean. Brilliant. Open up the Insider's Guide to Being a Cooper. Sean Caird, keep on coopering. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. All the best, my friend. Take care. And that was Sean, the cooper there. And apologies (laughs) for the rain in the roof. That's never happened before. (laughs) Well, you know, as we said, when we continually say, this is unscripted. This is how it comes. It's as raw as it gets. Not polished in any way. Absolutely. Uh, No, very interesting. And, you know, just all those little things that Sean was talking about, about, you know, he still uses his, you know, his his grandfather's tools and all that sort of, just fantastic. You could make that up. That's wonderful. And, and you know the the real pride in what they do as well, and it's you know he's a, he's he 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 loves Tam Do, and it's great to have him and have a coop you know have a have a cooperage on site at Tam Do, which is fantastic. They've really got it going on up there. It really is a, a, a fantastic facility. And if you ever see him at work or any cooper at work, and I would recommend anyone if we're coming when it all opens up to come to holiday to Scotland, that Speyside Cooperage is quite a sight to behold. Yeah, and even actually just to see how casks are made in a in a very simple way we have a video on the tamdu website um under our craft uh, so if you go to tamdu.com under go to the our craft section there's a video on there which shows the sherry casks being actually made in spain and it shows you a lot of the things that 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 sean does and could be could could of course do as well but he mainly is focused on maintaining and repairing our cask but it's a really good video so watch that. That will give you an insight into the production of these casks. And so important. Probably the most important part of the whole story of whiskey, would you say, the casks? Well, I mean, it's like everything in life. You can make a really good spirit, but if you don't put it in a good cask, then you, the, all your work in terms of the, the mashing, the fermentation, distillation is 
is all really gone because the cask is not gonna not gonna interact well. It's not gonna give flavours and colour and work well with the spirits. So really, really important. But that's, well, that's the music in the background, Gordon. Uh, which means we're on our A to Z's. It's the I. It's difficult. It is difficult, I. So you kick it off. Well, I'll kick it off. And again, because I'm being a wee bit obsessed with history this week, I'm going to kick it off with Iona. Now, this will feature in no other glossary or lexicon of Scotch whisky. It, it relates to the statutes of, of Iona from 1609, which there's a clause in there. I'm not going to why it was all set up. It's a long-winded story. But in the statutes of Iona, there's a little paragraph which has the first written reference to the locals using and abusing aquavitae, the water of life. So if our lovely drink, Gordon, started off as medicinal, it moved yep. very quickly to inebriational by 1609. The the statues of Iona, the islanders were drinking it to excess, and that's really the first time the the good drink was abused. So there's there's my one. Okay, I'm going to mention uh, a distillery called Imperial, a very famous distillery that was actually um, in the in the village of Karen, which is not far from Tamdu no, at all. It's not only far. Mm -hmm. miles from Tamdu. Um, now, Imperial was um, was a very famous story, actually knocked down and has been rebuilt and is now called Dalmanach. Um And um, very beautiful sort of modern style distillery. Again, used predominantly for blending by Perna Ricard, I would suspect, but it's a um, uh, right on the banks of the Spey. Um, and uh, yeah, very modern beautiful looking distillery so imperial's a well-known name in the industry and what i did like I, I did like their mints very good side business yeah, they, they, had they, they didn't they didn't just do whiskey they were good on the mints as well yep uh dear dear, dear. any uh, others yeah i've got islands islands not only yeah. a, a dolly parton kenny rogers classic written by barry yeah. gibb um but islands of course um talking regions you've got the wonderful islands and i think was a challenge in the episode Two, I think you challenged me to try and name the islands where whiskey was produced in Scotland. You've got um, Arran and Isla and Judah and Skye and Orkney. Wonderful whiskey from these lovely islands. Absolutely, yeah. And obviously the Six Isles, which we drank a few... Yes. You drank, I think, a few weeks ago. Um, the Six Isles is one of the only whiskies that actually incorporates all those islands in one bottle. That was so, wonderful. Um, That's gone now and, as well. And again, actually, when you ask a lot of people... Um, a lot of people think it's a region of Scotch whisky. It isn't actually one of the regions. Um, was there ever, Gordon, was there ever a, a, a push for that? Was there any industry, you know, pressure? I don't think so. I think, I think um, you know, the island region was, was talked up by a few producer, producers in terms of just, you know, these are whiskies, they're on islands, but it's not an official region at all. So there are still only five regions, not, not six, which some people do think... Uh, most of the whiskies on islands out with uh, Isla are classed as Highland whiskies. Mm, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, Wonderful. So that's always a good one. If you um, can get that Six Isles, if anybody's out there, the Six Isles, it is a belt. I just think, once you, you go, you've said it before, once you know what you're drinking, you know the story, you know the provenance, and you have all combined together, what a drink. You know, wonderful. Anyway, Gordon, Islands. Well, I've got one more for you. Isotopes. It's easy for you to see. Isotopes. Now, this what? is all about using nu nuclear isotopes, or sort of, not nuclear, but um, 
isotopes as a result of the nuclear bombs that were detonated decades ago spewed radioactive isotope carbon-14 into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Now, you're wondering what this has got to do with whiskey. I'm going to tell you. Please tell me. Carbon-14 decays at a known rate. So what you can then do is by calculating the amount of isotope in a particular whiskey, you can work out if it's fake or not. Because you can you can tell that by the level of carbon-14 um, that it is... If it was, you know, if it's 50 years old or it's actually only 10 years old. Um, and so this is enabling those whiskey boffins and whiskey scientists and people to protect our loved drink against um, uh, fake fakes, basically. And so the isotope and oh. particularly the sort of radioactive carbon isotope is a really, really important thing to help us protect our whiskey industry so isotopes i bet you've never thought you'd hear that do you know what i i read something about that uh, a few months ago gordon just because in one year and out the other i don't understand these things that's a great explanation uh, that you've just given us there i can understand it a lot more and you're saying that's from the nuclear tests of the of the yeah 40s so and 50s nu- yeah nuclear bombs that were detonated right. you know in the 40s 50s you know create this isotope which which and the reason it it, it, it so that drew a line in the sand Ah. And then what happened is from that point onwards, these isotopes have decreased over years at the same rate, at a known rate. So therefore, anything that's been technically produced since then has an element of these isotopes in them. So it allows you to work out, you know, the age of something. That is so it's very, very interesting. It's a really, yeah. And so now they use it in a, hell of a lot of other things as well. But it's a it's a really interesting sort of way of aging things in a in a correct way. Wow. So um, so that's but it, it's safe. Can... Is it? Well, obviously, it is safe because I'm a I'm right. drinking a twenty year old, so that would definitely yeah. contain some carbon it's fourteen. My mortlach. It's definitely got some radioactive isotopes, but no, I, I, I tiny tiny levels. But I mean, it was obviously just it, it's a way that you know that it, when these things happen, there's that you know. Oh. It was a direct result of, of that. Right. So, sorry, Gordon, just to interrupt you. I just to interrupt you. Before you wrap this up, because I know you're a, quite an expert on this, we've, we've forgotten India. India, for the last oh. eye, can we squeeze that in? Yeah, India. India is the biggest whiskey-producing nation in the world. Um, now, um, the only caveat on that would be that a lot of the Indian whiskey is, is made, of, made from molasses, and it's certainly not made in the same way that Scotch-blended... Uh, whiskey is made which is obviously a big big category but mm-hmm. some of the biggest brands um have scottish names over there but they, you know they're not scotch as we would know it they're indian whiskey made in a different way but lots of whiskey made in india and produced in india at a lower price point um and consumed in india so it is the biggest technical whiskey market in the world um, and now they make their own single malt as well so you've got wow. products like paul john and amrit making single malt in a much more sort of Scottish style, but taking into account the big temperatures over there. So, um, you know, you get quick maturations and lose a lot to the angel's share, 17% a year, I hear. So oh my goodness. That, yeah, that just gives you another sort of dynamic in making whiskey. So I went to India in 2016, probably. Oh, yeah, right. Maybe 2015, you can't quite, 2016, I think it was. And I did a seven city tour in a week. 
Uh, it was an attack on the senses. Wow. It was an incredible people everywhere, traffic, ages to go, takes you ages to go a few miles, curry for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it was, it was, and, and actually, what was very funny about it is they always tell you when you go to India not to don't drink the water, don't eat the salads, don't have ice in your drinks because you'll get deli belly. Mm -hmm. I had all of that and didn't get it. I looked on it as a weight losing opportunity, <laughs> and um, it didn't. It didn't happen, unfortunately. So, I'm uh, just writing. Hang on, I'm just writing to the uh, the ITV. Next person to go in the real exotic Marigold Hotel, set in India, Gordon Dundas. <laughs> I'll send it off to ITV, Gordon. Looking forward to that. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's Fantastic. great. A to Z, and with a wonderful uh, interview with Sean there from Tamdu Cooperage. Yeah, no, very, very good, fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about out of whiskey. I'm, I'm about out of whiskey, but I tell you what, I've got a lot of water here to add to the whiskey. It's just about to start reading. I've got to go, going to have to go and get the, um, get my, my Mac on. You go and get your Mac on, and I'll catch up with you next week. Great. I'm going to have one little snifter, and I'm going to head off, Gordon. But thank you so much. We'll see you in episode ten. Lovely. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Cheers, Gordon.